0: back episode 28 of cap and trade tonight we're joined by jordan pine also known as at texans underscore thoughts on the Twitterverse. jordan how you doing tonight sir
1: i'm doing great man i'm excited to talk about the texans and the draft i think it's the best time of the year and i appreciate you for having me on these spaces
0: yeah no thanks for taking the time i know this is a very very exciting time for you you, heavy 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 amount of work going into on your side. I saw you put out your uh, draft guide recently and, and uh, just tell the folks a little bit where we're, where all they can find your work at right now.
1: Yeah. So the great thing about it is Twitter, man. It's a great tool for sure. So my Twitter's at Texans underscore thoughts. That's where you'll find all my work in terms of articles, streams, all that good stuff. My um, pin tweet is the draft guide that you've mentioned. Got 222 scouting reports there, big boards, all that good stuff. Um, it's my baby put a lot of work into it pour my blood sweat and tears into it um, and I love it man I love the draft love football so happy to be here man
0: yeah and you you got a little you got a little bit of background in that so I saw in your bio you join uh you attended the scouting academy
1: yes I did I Dan Hattman's outfit exactly love Dan yes a he's a guy. good dude. A nice guy very good dude he's a big time helper
0: yeah I've, I've conversed with him quite a bit offline He's not as much recently but if uh, back when the Texans were doing their their constant GM searches he was always a good uh, good source of information with that because he kind of kept on top of that stuff pretty well and and know's quite a few quite a bit of folks out there so yeah he's he's definitely a very good dude but uh, yeah so tonight you know we we're past we had a, we talked a little bit about draft last week so we'll we'll kind of cover the same points I kind of wanted to get a different opinion versus who we had last week. I like to get different opinions on, on similar topics just so the listeners can get a wide range of, of input out there. And, you know, we're past free agency. The team's pretty well locked in with a majority of their roster. You know, they have 71 contracts now after signing Stephen Nelson, and they got the Brandon Cooks extension done. So now it's just all eyes heading into the draft here, and, and the team has a ton of draft picks. They have six draft picks in the top – uh one, one, oh, eight, one, ten. 110 you know and they just have a lot we know Nick likes to move around he has a lot of a lot of uh capital to work with whether it's moving around in this draft accumulating draft picks in 2023 or 2024 you know it's he's just got a lot to work with something that Texans fans haven't been able to really see in quite some time I mean 2019 they had the first round pick but beyond that they haven't had a first round pick since 2017 back when the team traded up for Deshaun Watson. So it's, it's an exciting time. It's kind of, you know, I kind of view 2021 season as like year zero of the rebuild. That was the start of the cleanup. We all knew it was like a two year process. So this is really where the really gets going for Casario and he can really start putting his stamp on this roster as the, as the turnover continues on. So one of the, one of the first things I wanted to kind of talk to you about was drafting scheme versus talent. Cause you know there's a lot of thought process of you just draft for talent draft for traits and you find a way to make them work within your system but on the flip flip side do you do you trend away from talent traits and try to find somebody that fits your scheme you know it kind of molds into what how long you know we hope lovey smith's here for a long time but we've seen the texans go through head coaches left and right so it makes you you know wonder where, where nick and where lovey kind of go with this draft and kind of want to get your kind of high level thoughts on drafting talent versus scheme.
1: Yeah, I think you it. You hit it the nail on the head, man. Um, it's always a difficult, but important discussion to be had. And I believe in best player available. Um, that's a strategy I like to follow. And I feel like we've seen, you know, these well-run organizations, like maybe take the Baltimore Ravens, for example, yes. they consistently take advantage of, you know, these superior players falling to them and, you know, they're always on everyone's list at the end of the draft saying, you know, top winners of the draft is, is Baltimore Ravens. Oh, guess what? Right. And so this best players sh- available strategy, you know, I think it's even more important for the Texans because, like you said, we're in the early stages of the rebuild um, with not many, you know, long term pieces on the roster currently. That's what we're trying to get right now. Um, and to your second point, I think, you know, I don't think the co- the current coaching staff is viewed by the consensus as a long term coaching staff with job security right we've seen two coaching searches now where nick you know he's had his top targets and it went elsewhere um moved on from david cully pretty quickly as nick tends to do with moves that maybe don't work out as well as he hoped um so yeah like you said like who knows with lovey really i mean we want to give him a fair chance but at the end of the day it's a business as a business um so while drafting for scheme you know It'll certainly help these rookies contribute earlier on in their career. I think I would definitely put more emphasis on drafting for pure talents. Um and then it'll be a nice cherry on top if they also are scheme fits.
0: Yeah, we we've heard Lovey, you know, he's really kind of hit the rounds this past two or three weeks, and we've he seemed to kind of change his tune week over week. You know, like three weeks ago, yeah. it was all about pass rush and the front four and what they can do. And then this past, what, ten days ago, he was just all over about cornerbacks that this team needs a cornerback even with signing steven nelson to a two-year deal i don't certainly doesn't preclude them from from drafting a, a cornerback in one of their early picks so in this old school tampa two system and we know lovey and he is an old school coach but we saw it towards the end of last year where he started kind of mixing in some man coverage blitzing a little more a little more work beyond the the standard tampa two t- tampa two defense so in this type of scheme, what do you think Lovey was is going to have more preference on, pass rush or coverage? I
1: definitely think it's mainly based off of the pass rush. He loves to just rush four um, guys so that he has seven in coverage. And you really are dependent on those front four to get up the quarterback so that the cornerback's and safeties and linebackers don't have to hold up for so long and and, you know i'm a big time trenches guy that's where i believe the game is won or lost you know there's a physical element of football that it's tough to quantify with stats and whatnot but if you can win the battle in the trenches you're setting yourself up with a major major advantage and i believe it's easier for a pass rush to help cover up for lesser coverage Um, than it is the other way around because just no one on the planet can cover forever.
0: Yeah. No. And that's, that's always been a long time debate that we see from, you know, the folks at PFF and different think tanks versus the film guys and what, what is more important coverage versus pass rush. And it's more of a scheme thing, in my opinion, let alone personnel. So it just kind of all molds together. I don't think you can just clearly say that this is more important than the other. I think they, they're work hand in hand and work together. So, With that, you know, this team obviously has a ton of needs. You know, you can go down position position by position if we want to toss out quarterbacks. It sounds like the team is is content with trying to run with Mills this year. Beyond that, almost every single position has some sort of need, whether it's a, a very strong primary need or death need, something like that. And at this point, like you said, it's going with best player available, going with talent and you know we'll just start off at the cornerback position cuz that's obviously one of the biggest areas of need and it seems like it's stingley versus gardner as the first cornerback to come off the come off the board but i'm starting to hear there's a lot of quality cornerbacks available on day 2 early day 3 that can really make an impact and what are some beyond stingley and gardner what are what are some of the names that the fans need to be looking for on at pick you know say 37 or if or if Casario moves back from 13 back into the 20s or something like that, what are some other cornerbacks that the, that the, that the fans should be looking out for?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. I think starting at the pick 37, um, you're hoping, and it happens every year, it really does, is that these first-round talents will fall to the top of the second for whatever the reason. And so 37, you're really in a prime position to go get one of those first-round talents who falls. Um, for cornerbacks particularly, that could look like Kair Elam out of Florida. Mm -hmm. He's got the requisite size, length, speed that Lovey Smith has preached valuing at the cornerback position. Um, There's him. There is Kyler Gordon out of Washington. I think that's right around his realistic range. Um, Great athlete, super quick, super fluid. Maybe a little bit more raw than you would like, but I think his potential is is through the roof and, and right up there with that group of first-round cornerbacks, so I really like him. Um, And then you mentioned day three, I guess, would be guys like Alonte Taylor out of Tennessee. He's another, you know, height, weight, speed, arm-length guy. Um, And then the kind of gem of the Combine, everyone knows him now, Zion McCollum out of Sam Houston State. He tested, like, I believe it was the best cornerback in history in terms of relative athletic score, so... You, if you want to bet on a guy on day three to have, you know, Boomer bust type of guy, that's your guy right there, is Iron Nicole.
0: Yeah, and I saw where he uh popped a one hundred percentile on the spark as well. So, I mean, that's just that's just testing off the off the charts there. And I mean that's, yeah, he's he's a senior coming out of Sam Houston, so you know, it's it's tough to tough to compare when he's from playing out of that college out of that type of competition versus, you know, FBS kind of players and things like that. But I, I don't think it's it's too much of a discount. It it sounds like just talking about day three. It sounds like this is a larger group of draftable players compared to say last year's draft. And I say that is last year. You, you know, it, there was a lot there was a lot of focus on. I mean, COVID really prevented a lot of a lot of evaluation, so that may have been a contributing factor to that. But this year, it sounds like from what I'm hearing, there's a lot of teams that have draftable players they're going to extend beyond the end of the draft and like the undrafted group is just going to be a, a it's already it's a crazy as it is on the undrafted class but it sounds like this draft is going to be very long in terms of death not so much top heavy but very long in terms of death as an overall group and is that kind of your impression of it
1: yeah absolutely and you you nailed it man it's it's covid it's all those seniors who gained an extra year eligibility and so now we've got fifth year players even sixth year players in this class so it's shaping up to be in terms of pure quantity like the biggest class in, in recent history so nick last year didn't go with the biggest rookie class he might have caught some heat for that but i don't really think it matters too much this year though i think you can expect the exact opposite um at least double digit selections Like you said earlier, probably going to end up pushing some of those to 2023. But the UDFA pool is going to be hot and heavy. And you know how our team loves competition. So that's what it's all going to be about in training camp, getting these young bodies and seeing these guys improve themselves.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the cornerback, like we were talking about to start this point, Lonnie Johnson, this is going to be a make or break for him. I mean, he's going into... So is, this is year 4 for him. So he's the last year of his contract and I guess they're going to put him back at cornerback as much as they've shifted him around back and forth, but with Desmond King, Tavier Thomas, Lonnie Johnson, Steven Nelson already under contract and then the team's probably going to come out of here with one or two one or two more defensive backs out of the draft and probably another one or two out of the undrafted group. So it'd be interesting to see what Lonnie Johnson does. He, you know, maybe he Maybe he's a late round trade target late late in the uh, late in the training camp period, but it's going to be difficult for him. But so we'll stick with the with the defensive back group. We'll, we'll kind of talk about your guy Kyle Hamilton. You know, it, it's a big. Uh, he's kind of been the biggest name just for for multiple reasons. You know, first it was the the forty time that came out, and then it became the discussion of game speed versus testing speed. You know what? You know, does he is he faster on film? Is he faster on the field than what he tested out in the forty? How how important is the forty? Things like that. And i you know he's like one of those players that you look at one mock and he's going number three to Houston or inside the top five, and then you look at another mock and he's falling down to twelve or thirteen. And I know you've always been a big fan of Kyle Hamilton. So what 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 would you say to to the fans that are listening tonight about t- Kyle Hamilton taking him? either three or even if you fell down to 13 or something like that?
1: Yeah, so taking him at three is a path that I would still very much be for, very much be content and happy with. I truly believe he's one of the three best players in this class, whichever order you want to put it in, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hampton, whatever it may be. He has one of the highest ceilings in this class, and I'm not very worried about his slower-than-expected 40 time because, number one, the safety position is not a position where your 40 time really has been too indicative of success over the years. We've seen guys like Justin Simmons run a four six, um, Cam Chancellor ran even slower. Um, it doesn't eliminate your success at the NFL level. Um, and furthermore, if you have seen kind of the video of Kyle Hamilton running the 40, he was running in zigzags. He was running essentially 50 yards rather than 40 yards. So I think... There's something a little weird going on there in terms of the preparation and his actual technique running it. Um, But what it's done is made him potentially a more likely option at 13. And I think that kind of eliminates all of your positional value question marks you might have of taking a safety at three, right? I think there's a legitimate possibility now that he's at 13 and you still get to go get a guy like Yvonne Thibodeau at three and Hamilton at 13, which would be a really dangerous Damn good duo, um. And I don't know. Maybe Kyle was just, just kind of tanking his uh, draft stock on purpose. It's My, my tinfoil hat theory.
0: Yeah, that'd be, that'd be interesting. And you know, if it if he fell to thirteen, I'd, I, I, I was, I having a little bit of trouble with him at three. But if he fell to thirteen, yeah, I, I would think you'd have to grab the card and run to the podium to to turn that one in and get that get that talent at that, especially at thirteen. That's just a, a quality. A quality area, of, in, in my opinion, just speaking in terms of the draft, I mean, where you really can make your hay in the first round is that picks at, you know, like 8, 9, down to about 18. You can really, in terms of, of return value on salary cap dollars and cash versus what the rookie contract is, that's where you can really just really hit your sweet spot on uh, on draftable players. But, yeah, Kyle Hamilton at 13 would be fantastic. So, you know we'll stay we'll stay on the draft side. I I mean on the defensive side I do think Lovey's going to have a lot of input in this draft. And I wouldn't shock me one single bit that this be a very defensive heavy draft. Just depending on how the board falls. And uh, before I say that, I see we have two folks that have got requests in. Just hang tight. We will get to y'all. I just got a few more um, points that I want to get with Jordan on, and then we'll get to y'all's questions for sure. Just hang tight and. Uh, you know get your go ahead and get in line if you want to if you want to talk and ask a question if you if you'd rather not talk and you want to send me a a dm with your question feel free to do that as well my dms are open so that's always an option as well so edge is obviously the uh, the other most talked about need for this defense and that if one of the two guys fell to 3 you know between I don't think Hutchinson's going to fall past Detroit but you know, it seems like Travon Walker's flying up the board. So you've got this mix of Thibodeau, Hutchison, and Walker in the top three. There's a lot of talk about if Trent Balkey's gonna go ham and take Walker at number one. What what is your I know you're a big fan of, of Thibodeau and I certainly don't have anything against him, but what what's your thoughts on Trayvon Walker? I mean, I know the production was lower, but that was more may have been more of a function of how it was utilized in, in, in that defense in Georgia versus his traits and his, you know, and his upside, you know, what are your thoughts on, on Walker as he's moving up and down this board, especially getting up in that top three?
1: Yeah. um, Walker's an interesting guy, very controversial prospect. And I think he's
0: honestly one of the most
1: overrated prospects at this point, especially with all the hype that he's been getting for the number one overall pick. Um, He is my one, two, three, four, fifth ranked edge. Um, I still like him, don't get me wrong don't turn this around into a Jordan mm-hmm. Hates Javon Walker type of thing um, I have a first round grade on him, but it's a later first round grade, um, I'd be more comfortable taking him outside of the top 10 at 13, for example um, I just think that he is so much of a projection so much of a, this needs to go right this needs to go right, this needs to go right for him to really reach the level that a guy like Hutchinson provides pretty much right away um, and, and to your point and it's a common argument that, oh, he played in this more reserved, contained role in Georgia's defense. He let the other guys do all the flashy plays. Um, I saw a PFF stat recently saying that, well, maybe it wasn't PFF. It was, it was some advanced, one of those big advanced networks, um, saying that out of all the, the top edge rushers in this year's class, Travon Walker actually played the most amount of reps on third and long situations and, and clear passing situations. So I think that's... that argument is a little bit overblown. Um, I think he was given the opportunities to do so, but he's just a little bit more unrefined in terms of pass rush technique, having a plan, having counter moves, etc., etc. So for me, taking that risk at one is just not something I would want to do.
0: Not whatsoever. Not even at three. I think there's plenty of plenty of uh, folks in Houston that would love to see Balky go crazy and go with uh, Trevon Walker at one and let Hutch Center cave on slide down to number three so but another name and I asked this for my for my buddy Mike Meltzer who's listening George Karloftis I, I'm trying to figure him out what, what what's the take on him
1: yeah so I like Karloftis I think so he's my edge four so I, I got it Aiden Hutchinson number one Kevin Thibodeau number two Jermaine Johnson number three mm-hmm. Karloftis four and Walker five and you're really splitting hairs between him and Jermaine Johnson um but with Karloftis what you're getting is is someone who's young and has improved every year. He's only 20 years old, so he's one of the younger players in this class. And so he's one of those other potential guys. Um he's 6'3, 266 pounds, so he's got some good, you know, bulk to him. Um he tested pretty decently as a pretty explosive guy. Like he's a good he got good get off, um, which is always one of those main traits that you look for in an edge rusher. Um, he wasn't the most productive though. That's the thing, and that's why I keep saying he's like kind of a more potential guy. He had seven and a half sacks as a, as a freshman, which was great. But then in 2021, he had just four and a half. Um, so I like him, but I can't put him above a guy like Jermaine Johnson. And I think at 13, though, for the Texans, I think it would be a pretty solid pick. I'd be pretty happy with it. I think he'd make a good duo with Grenard. Um, are there players I would rather have over him? Yes, but I'd also still be content with him at the same time, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, Jermaine Johnson's another name that's kind of moved up the boards quietly, between the senior bowl and, and, you know, just now, I mean, he, I know early projections had him in the second round and then he's now sliding up into that middle of the first round based on what I've been seeing lately. And, and, you know, that's a, another name. I think 13 is a very good spot for the Texans, both on finding like we talked about a, a very quality player, especially at the cost. But I think 13 might be that sweet spot for, for the trade back scenario. You know, if if quarterbacks don't go off the board quick enough, you know, if Corral, if Willis doesn't go early, you know, if Pickett doesn't go early, and maybe, you know, we it looks like Carolina's going to probably take a quarterback, quarterback at six, but if there's a quarterback-needy team like the Saints or somebody that wants to move up to 13, I think that's probably going to be a good spot for, for Nick to try to move back. And are you, um, I mean, what, what would it, what would it take for you to move out of thirteen at this point? I mean, would you would you be looking for a? I guess it depends on how the board settles, but would you be looking for a premium, or are you just looking to move back just to get more, more darts, more darts per se at the board?
1: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Like you said, it definitely does come down to in the moment who's on the board, who's available, um, and what is the compensation, of course. And I think at the very least, you have to get a second round pick. Um, I think it obviously depends how far you're going to move back. Like, let's say we go from 13 to maybe it's 16 or maybe it's 19, like you said with the Saints. Um, I would expect and I would kind of accept that offer um, if they do include one of their second round picks. I think that would be pretty fair.
0: Are there so sp- staying on defense? So let's look at defensive interior. This is another Correct. area that, you know, they obviously need. I mean, they have Roy Lopez, they have Malik Collins. No, we're, we're still trying to figure out what Ross Blacklock is. So they need somebody who can, you know, obviously swallow up blockers but can still get vertical and get into the backfield. At pick 37, are there any, any defensive interior guys that kind of are catching your eye in that area of the draft?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's two, and they're kind of different types of players. Um, one of them is Perry on Winfrey, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Um, he was used primarily as like a nose tackle, a guy to just, like you said, take on those double teams, eat up blocks, and be more of a run defender. And that's why maybe his production doesn't look too great. But we saw the senior bowl, if he's playing... The other defensive tackle position that Malik Collins plays, he's going to get a lot more one-on-one opportunities to defeat blocks and just play fast, get out field, like you mentioned. And that's the type of defensive tackle that Lovey Smith really, really prioritizes. Um, so he can provide, you know, splash plays getting into the backfield for tackle for losses and also an interior pass rush that we desperately, desperately need. Um, so Perrin Winfrey, that would be one option out of Oklahoma at 37. The other is Logan Hall, um, who I believe he got a top 30 visit, or maybe it was just a regular visit with the Texans um, out of Houston. He's kind of this versatile interior defensive lineman who is, let me pull up his height, 6'6", 283 uh, pounds. So he's like a big dude, almost like Calais Campbell. That's kind of what his game is like. He can move him around the interior. He's a very, very good run defender. I think he's pretty pro-ready in that regard. Um, And then as a pass rusher, he's got a lot of upside because he's athletic. He's got long arms. He's powerful. Um, so he can be kind of a pocket collapser as well. So those are the two interior defensive linemen. That I like at thirty-seven. Okay.
0: All right. So we got some requests. Just hang tight. Got about a few more points I want to hit with uh, Mr. Jordan here. We'll try to jump over to the offensive side of the ball. Tight end is obviously mm-hmm. another intriguing talking point for for many fans, and I don't think anybody was. Super excited with bringing back Farrell Brown and um, Anthony Auclair, who's gonna you know potentially could be the inline guy again, and you know it's all eyes are on Brevin Jordan, but he's kind of a more of a move slot type of tight end. So, and it seems you know based on just the rumblings that I see out there, tight ends kind of the late day two, early day three type of type of target. So, who are some of the players that? that the Texans fans should be looking at in terms of tight end?
1: Yeah, so I think you need a guy, like you said, to complement the move tight end in Brevin Jordan. Jordan's a good receiving threat, good yak guy, um, but he doesn't have like, the size and length and blocking consistency that you know a run-heavy team like the Texans are trying to be um, desperately needs. So I think getting someone to fill that Farrell Brown slash Anthony Alclair role would be huge. Um, so guys I like for that role, I think your upside pick is Jelani Woods out of Virginia. He's
0: a massive human being. Six seven two fifty three tested well, right? He came out with a exactly. big Ras score. Yeah,
1: yeah, he killed it. I think he was had the highest Ras um, out of all the tight ends. He's kind of like a. I saw someone compare him to like the Malik Willis of like tight ends <laughs> because. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, because he's, he's he is a bit more raw um than you might like for like a day one starter per se. But I think his ceiling is through the roof. So that's someone who can both run block and also be, you know, a great red zone threat, big body threat for Davis Mills. Um, I think some other guys who are, you know, better blockers than they are receivers, but then also at the same time have dependable hands are Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State. Um, he's 6'6, 252, very, very dependable hands, very productive over his career. Um, and then Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin, Wisconsin, they love to run the ball and they really relied on him to be a focal point as a blocker, um, essentially like an additional offensive lineman. So those would be two guys I would definitely circle their
0: names. Yeah. For me, it's, it's probably Ruckert out mm. of uh, Ohio state. He's, I know he kind of, kind of went a little bit backwards on his performance in, in 2021 as compared to 2020 and 2019, but he's still only 20, you know, 21 and a half years old and he can definitely block he can he can do both he can, he can be your inline guy he can move outside so that's kind of the 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 type of player that I would be personally looking for but I think we've heard you know we heard it when Lovey was introduced and when Pep Hamilton was introduced that you know this team would really look and be looking at the 12 personnel quite a bit and which kind of threw up a lot of flags for a lot of folks. I remember back in free agency all the the rage talk was tight ends. Until we started seeing what tight ends were going for in the open market, they were their market kind of bumped up a little bit for for a tier 2 tight end. So I think a lot of fans have moved off of that and moved into the draft to try to get a tight end to like you said compliment Brevin Jordan if it's if if the team ends up going down that path of what Hamilton's talking about with 12 personnel it'd just be interesting to see how he's going to utilize that grouping with with this roster. And then just speaking of Pep, you know, what what is your take on on his offensive system? If you were going to just give somebody a quick primer on it, what what would you describe it as?
1: Yeah, I would describe it as a run first offense that wants to I guess dominate the trenches in a sense with their power running scheme. Um, and then building off of that, they also want to utilize a lot of quick game in terms of the passing game. So a lot of screens, a lot of slants, get the ball out quickly to to kind of suppress the pass rush a little bit. Um, and then once you're kind of nickel and, nickel and diming your way down the field with these short passes, with these like three, four, five yard runs, and then the defense creeps in to the box trying to stop the run, that's when it really sets up the vertical passing game off of play action. And so we'll see a lot of them we'll see a lot of pistol formations, and it's all gonna be about trying to figure out when the defense is being super aggressive and trying to make them pay for being aggressive. I think Pep has had a pretty decent
0: yeah. um no, that's kind of that's a that's a a, a well explained in layman's terms. Someone like me who needs to explain <laughs> to me like I'm five year old when it comes to that kind of stuff. So no, that's perfect. And on that, I think this offensive line is currently probably not well equipped to to complement that type of scheme. So, yeah, I think guard is probably going to be the big is probably the biggest need. I mean, Justin Britt is what he is. We'll see how that works out. Not wasn't too big fan of that signing, but I understand mm-hmm. why. But what are some of the guards? I it seems like that's going to be in that pick. Um, you know that date they, you know, pick 68, pick 80 kind of area, you know, is there any particular guards in that 65 to 85 range that are something that we need to be looking out for?
1: Yeah, I definitely think left guard particularly is the biggest hole to fill in offense. I mean, you got tons of left tackle, Britt center, can right guard, hopefully Titus right tackle, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, So left guard would be great. Um, At 68 to 80, you said, I think the top guy that comes to mind, and, and the Texans did do a top thirty visit, is Ed Ingram out of LSU. He's very well rounded in terms of pass protecting, in terms of run blocking. Like his tape is very clean; he rarely makes any mistakes. Um, now, and I think he could be a day one starter at left guard, which you don't often get in the second round. But the thing is, he's got his own sexual assault allegations out there.
0: Um, he's got two of them, I thought. Yeah, with two separate. I don't think he's going to be draftable. People. I think that's another Lyle Collins situation.
1: Yeah, I've heard from some people who have sources with the league that a lot of teams have taken him off the board, and if they will even take a chance on him, it'll be late day three. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We know the Texans definitely value character and all of that stuff, and especially with the recent Deshaun Watson stuff. I, I would find it hard to believe that they would just you know, go into this without doing any of their homework um but he's a name to watch out for sure purely just in terms of like talent right right um some other guys in that range i really like is sean ryan out of ucla he played left tackle and and he was great at left tackle but the thing is he's only got 32 inch arms so a lot of draft quote-unquote experts want to move him inside the guard i think that's the best move for him and our online coach george warhop he said you know he wants his tackles to have 35 inch arms so Ryan doesn't meet that threshold. And so I think they would view him as a guard as well. And he's just a very technically refined, very strong, um, and decently athletic offensive lineman who I think could start pretty early in his career at left guard, maybe not day one, but I think maybe halfway through his rookie season, I think you can slide him in there.
0: Two names that seem to always be there around pick 68. Whenever I play the mock draft game is, is, uh, Dylan Parham out of Memphis and Cole Strange out of Chattanooga. Do, mm-hmm. Are any of those – are either those players candidates for this type of scheme?
1: See, that's the thing, and you nailed it, because I like those players a lot. I really like Dylan Parham, really like Cole Strange, um, but they are definitely more suited for zone-heavy run schemes. Yeah, so nice. your 49ers, your Dolphins, because they're smaller guys. They're lighter guys. They move really well. Um, but like you said, in our power runs team, like we need those maulers. We need like six, four, 325 plus pounds, like full grown men. Um, so I like them, but maybe not so much for the Texans. All
0: right. Let's see here. Yeah. And speaking of Titus Howard, so deadline is going to be the Tuesday after the draft for his fifth year option for the 2023 year season. Which would be fully guaranteed at the time of the option. It's not like the old CBA where it was just guaranteed for injury only. I think it's no question that you take take the option. In my opinion, I think it's a very easy decision. It's like thirteen point two million, something like that. But if they put him back at guard, I'm I'm just gonna lose it. I don't <laughs> understand that. I I get the whole five best players mentality, especially if you take sure. one if they end up taking one of the tackles at at number three it just makes no sense to me he he was drafted as a tackle he obviously plays much better as a tackle you play him at tackle so hopefully warhop and everybody else agrees with me on that and we'll we'll stick down that path it'll just be interesting to see if one of the tackles comes off the board towards houston or not but it sounds like based on what you said a little while ago you're you're definitely in the in the in the the crowd of Howard needs to be a tackle and not a guard if I'm if is that correct?
2: <laughs> oh,
0: 100%. I think it's not even really a debate.
1: Like the proof is in, you know, just watch the games. It's it's really that simple. I think he's shown that he can be a a solid starting tackle um and with a lot of room to grow i think that was always his thing Is like you know he was kind of a more raw developmental guy that you take in the first round but you believed his ceiling was really high and he, he wasn't really given that chance to just stick a tackle and, and learn that one position so of course it's going to stunt his development a little bit um but yeah like to your point like their excuse has been oh let's start the best five linemen like tight like guard i'm sorry like love to do but he wouldn't be one of the best five linemen he, he just wouldn't um, so I think he needs to stay at right tackle. I mean, that's where he shut down T.J. Watt in 2020. He shut down Yannick Ngakwe, Josh Allen, Melvin Ingram. Like he has a great resume at right tackle, um, so just keep him there.
0: Yeah, and I, I think there's something to be said. Not putting your best five players out there, but your, your best group of players yep. that, that becomes your best offensive line. I, I never understood the get our best five guys out there because – if they don't work well together then it doesn't matter who you put out there. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully hopefully the Texans agree with all of us and, and we won't have to play that game again this year. And one more one more offensive position before we get to our uh our multiple requests that are sitting there patiently waiting on us. So I asked this last week as well and I want to get your opinion on it on running back. I'm of the opinion and the, you know, we've we've heard it on the radio, we've heard it from fans you know, for the past month, need to get a running back, need to get a running back. I'm of the opinion that it's too early in the rebuild to utilize a, you know, a second round or, or a, or a third round pick on a running back. I think, I think you wait one more year. If you're going to invest that heavily in a running back, you wait one more year before this, before the roster is a little more solidified before you do that what are your thoughts on that versus taking a running back now versus waiting under that under that kind of premise?
1: Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you. I think you brought up a lot of good points. I think what I would kind of add is like the way I see it, like running back is such a position that's dependent on not only the entire like offensive picture, but especially the offensive line. Um, and our offensive line hasn't really changed that much since last year where it ranked as the worst run blocking unit in pretty much every statistic you want to pull up um, so I think if we were to draft a, a running back you know with the second round pick that's where people want to take one as a as a premium pick like it would just be a reach and a not best use of resources because that rookie's just not going to have a lot of lanes to be running through like it's not going to be like a Jonathan Taylor situation where everyone's kicking themselves or letting him fall to the second round like it, he wouldn't he would not have had the same success behind this Texans offensive line is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Even if we get at similar talent, like I love Kenneth Walker. I love Brees Hall. They're talented players. I'm sure right situation. They will be talented running backs. But like you said, with the current roster construction and the stage of the rebuild that the Texans are in, they need to fortify the trenches first before getting a position that is so dependent on the <laughs> trenches. Um, so I think you can pick one up on day three maybe and then – go into next year and potentially target that position where the running back class is far, far talented.
0: Two weeks in a row. I got, got somebody to agree with me. So (laughs) I'm on to something. So we'll, that was the majority of my points. We'll get to some questions here for the last 20 minutes or so. Try to I wish Twitter spaces would put this in order of who requested first, second, third, but they never Mm -hmm. do that. All right. So we'll go with, uh, hood, hood jack (laughs) we'll go with you first and then we'll go to uh to george uh george after that and then we'll hit up some of the other people after that so let's see if we can get hood jack westerby
2: yeah man what's up what's up hey you gotta say the whole name bro hood jack westerby
0: i fit it in right when you were coming in (laughs) all right all right (laughs) what you got man hey man
2: so listen thank first of all thank y'all for like hosting this and stuff yeah but, man, uh, I think, you know, I understand the the wanting to improve, you know, the defense and, like, you know, get more talent on that side of the ball. But I think that there's a legit argument, you know, to invest in the trenches, like, early in the first round. Okay. <laughs> Simply because, like, just look at the stats, man. Like, I think we were pretty much, like, dead last, Um in a league with, like, I mean, just average possession, drive time, you know what I'm saying, uh, what else, uh, like, uh, Russian, Russian offense, like, dead last in the league, you know, you can't be a defensive team, you know what I'm saying, and not be able to run the ball, you know, and uh, also, I understand, like, a lot of people don't want to see Titus at guard, you know, for good reason, I guess, And um, but I do think at the same time, you know, although he did have, you know, good success against speed rushes, man, I think up to this point, man, there hasn't really been like a clear, clear reason why I don't understand why Texans fans act like it's beyond the realm of possibility that Nick Casario might consider, you know, possibly moving on in the future from him, man. You know, so I think that if they have Neil graded as the highest player at three, I don't think that that's as out of, you know, the realm of possibility as, like, people act like it is, you know what I'm saying, or Icky as well. But, you know, like, I also understand, you know, Kayvon and them guys are good, you know. But I just think that people are writing that off like it's just impossible or stupid, but I just don't really feel like, you know, especially when you look at the amount, like, you know, the contract situation and just how, you know, much longer they have under contract, you know what I'm saying? Like, we really don't know who what our offensive line is going to look like at all. You know, three years out. You now,
0: know Yeah, and you you make a valid point that Casario didn't draft Titus. He we honestly don't know what he feels about Titus in the long term scheme of things and and he's since he didn't draft him, he's really not tied to him and he very well could not take the option for the fifth year and move on from move on from Howard after this year. Same with Tuncil. He's only got one more year. Uh, after this season under contract and the team could move on from him. And like you said, it's, I would have no problem if they took Neil Icky Charles cross in the first round. I don't know if Cross is quite the fit here, but you know, at least if you went with Neil or, or Icky in at that number three pick, it wouldn't hurt my fit. It wouldn't bother me one single bit. I mean, that would tell me that there is a plan in place for one of the two tackles beyond 2022 and 2023 and so, yeah, I mean, that's definitely an option. I just, we just didn't really hit on it hard tonight. And I didn't want to give the impression that that's not what I, th- what I think should happen. Oh, yeah, happen. Yeah. Bef- yeah. Definitely yeah. on board with that. <laughs> and and then, like you mentioned, to begin with building out of the trenches, I've always been a, a big fan of that. I think you can find, you can address skill position, you know, day two, day three, free agency things like that. But I think where you really, and Jordan, and Jordan mentioned at the very beginning with Baltimore being one of the best drafting teams, they will build out of the trenches on day one, day two of the draft religiously, year in and year out. And I'm 100% with you on board that that's where the team can really make, build their foundation and set the theme for this roster with this draft that they're building out of the trenches. Jordan, you have any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm 100 percent with both of you guys. I think speaking to the trenches part first, like it also aligns well with like the strengths of this draft class. Like a lot of the top players, a lot of the top ten players are trenches guys. Like you got Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Neil, Equonu, people have Walker up there. Like I think there's a good five-ish trench players in like a top ten that have like a stake for, you know, being in that realm. And so I think you're getting good value, but also You know, building out the foundation of your team, like you said, is is the best way to really prolong like long and sustainable successes if you have success in the
0: trenches. All right, I appreciate it, Hood Jack Westerby.
2: Yeah, man, I got to give thanks to God. You know, prayers up for uh, you know Kirby. You know what I'm saying? All right,
0: y'all. I appreciate it. Take care, man. Thank you. All right, George. Just connecting george what's going on man
2: hey guys
3: thanks for having me um yeah i kind of wanted to piggyback off that last guy um i definitely agree that we need to build up the trenches first ideally i'd like i know you guys mentioned earlier that you know it seems pointless to draft uh tackle if we have titus howard but i like you said we have a fifth year option coming up and i don't necessarily think even though they gave him that contract restructure, I don't think that um, Laramie Tunsil is a guy that Casario wants for the future. So I think picking uh, one of those two, one of those top two uh, offensive tackles uh, in our first, with our first uh, pick, would be an ideal thing to do. And uh, ideally, I would also like them to have at thirteen Jordan Davis, somebody that could beef up the middle of the defense. And then in the later rounds, build on some of those other, um, other defensive decisions. Uh, I just wanted you guys' thoughts on, uh, you know, f- further in the later round, I don't know if you guys had mentioned it already, but I really uh, like for them to add linebacker, Jojo Doman uh, out of Nebraska. I think he, he'd be a good guy to have out in coverage. I know that our Lovey's defense has a lot of uh, the linebackers do a lot of coverage. Responsibilities, and I think he'd be a really good guy for that in some of the later rounds. And I know a lot of people want us to pick Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley, and I think those are really good guys. But like I said earlier, uh, and you guys have said, building in the trenches is, is probably a better idea now that we're rebuilding, and there's no hope for, you know, uh, an upside in recent years to come. So I think that a cornerback in the later rounds is really good, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Is uh, That guy, uh, the kid Emerson, I think he's out of Mississippi State. And and Cam Britt, I think, is the other guy. Yeah, yeah. So those two guys are somebody that I would like them to pick in the later rounds. I think that would ideally be something that would be good for them to do.
0: Jordan, do you want to hit up the the cornerback talk for – I know we mentioned, you know, Zon McCollum. I think uh, he's uh, he had talked about Mar- Martin Emerson. What are what's mm-hmm. the read on him? You got any thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, the two names you mentioned are are great candidates. I think for the second and third round picks that we've got, um, starting with Emerson, I think he's got the ideal size, I'm sorry, height and arm length that you want out of a out of a quote unquote Lubby Smith cornerback. Um, I really liked his, his physicality and his tackling as well. So I think that'd be a good third round option for sure. Um, And then Cam Taylor-Britt out of Wisconsin, he's a great, great, great zone coverage cornerback. Like his ball skills, he looks like he's a wide receiver when he's going to attack the ball in the air. So I think he's a guy that Lovey Smith would really like because we know Lovey always preaches about turnovers. And that's what Cam Taylor-Britt can get you. So I think you brought up some great cornerback names, man. I think that's the way to go um, in terms of the cornerback position potentially in that second and third
0: round. All right. You got anything else, George? No,
3: that's it. I just I just wanted to hear
0: your thoughts on it. Yep. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it, buddy. All right. 157 listeners strong tonight. Another good crowd. All right. Let's see here. We'll go with uh, we'll go with Vera, and then we'll go with H uh, Time Sports, and then and then we'll go with uh, Trust Thy Plan. He's always in here. Vera, what you got, buddy? Yeah.
4: Hey, Jordan. Hey, guys. Um, is it just because this is one of the more weak quarterback classes that we've seen in so many years that there just doesn't seem to be a clear consensus among um, the teams, on um, you know, who the top candidates are? I mean, you look at last three, four years as, yes, there was a top uh, quarterback candidate, but even the ones before you knew when there was a on Clowney and a Khalil Mack coming out or a um, you know, later on, uh, Miles Garrett coming out, but this this particular year, there just doesn't seem to be a, you know, okay, these two guys are cannot miss candidates or cannot miss kind of talent. Now, whether they actually pan out or not is another question. Why do you think that's the case? I mean, everybody seems to have very varied opinions and rankings around Trayvon Walker going anywhere from five to twenty-five or you know Hutchinson generally is going more not because of the talent but just because oh he's a local boy so he's going to end up going to Detroit why do you think that's John
1: um yeah so speaking to your first point about the quarterback class why do I think that is I think it's I don't think people are wrongfully you know down talking this quarterback class it's it's not as strong as last years where you know there were a clear what four even five first round talents um and I think that's due to basically the resumes of all these quarterbacks, whether it's Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Ritter, Howell, whoever, they've all each got tangible flaws that, you know, not only you can see on film or maybe it's an injury or maybe it's Pickett's small hands, maybe it's whatever it may be. They all have like legitimate issues. I don't think anyone's kind of making stuff up that isn't too true. Um, so that's why that's it's a kind of a weaker quarterback class in my eyes. Um, and then as for your next point Sorry, didn't you clarify actually like, So you're talking about Travon Walker Being, you know, his I'm, I'm just in general,
4: why does it appear to be Very, why does there not appear To be a consensus among who the top Two or three can't miss picks are Whoever they are, right, irrespective of position
1: Yeah, I think My answer to you would Honestly be the fact that It's a long draft process And the media Needs to kind of switch things up it's it's boring if Kayvon Thibodeau is the number one pick from the beginning of the season till the actual draft and throughout this entire process you know senior bowl combine workouts interviews all that stuff we're throwing all these different variables and all this new information about these prospects where it gives us different things to think about and lower some prospects or raise some prospects and so part of that is the natural aspect of this draft process and also part of it is just the media you know needing to create new storylines hype up guys like trevon walker and his historic nfl combine and and stuff like that so that that would be my answer
0: yeah i'm i'm pretty much in agreement with all that i mean this is we talked about earlier it's a very it's a very solid solid draft, but there's just no clear consensus, can't miss kind of guy, it doesn't seem like compared to other drafts. There's still, you know, there's a, the two or three guys at the top, but it's just a different draft and, you know, it's been interesting to see a lot of discussion from the think take folks, you know, that try to get out of those first four or five picks just because of the the quality of the type of player that are coming in, getting them at 4 or $5 million a year versus $10 million a year at at the top of the draft is just another data point to look at of what this draft is, is about where it's the money is really going to be the, the meat of this draft is going to be picks 10 through probably 75. Whereas some are very top heavy and don't have that glut of very strong quality players in, in late, late one, late day one, early day two, things like that. So, <laughs> sorry chuck i just saw your message and uh kind of broke my thought man but anyhow so vera hopefully hopefully jordan was able to answer your question and my opinion on top of it and uh yeah got thanks, anything else yeah
4: um jordan what last part do you have any other draft crushes outside of kyle hamilton
1: Ooh, you know that's a that's a loaded question um in terms of a particularly pick... Oh my gosh, I can't speak. A particular pick for the Texans? Is there like a range you want me to... Because I, oh, I, I does, Not, not for the
4: Texans. In part, <laughs> just your favorite, man.
1: Okay, yeah. No, Um. one of my favorite guys to watch Um. and to talk to, I got the chance to talk to, the Senior Bowl was Jalen Petrie, the defensive back out of Baylor. I think he reminds me a lot of Tyron Matthew, Buda Baker, those smaller, but like really feisty and really athletic Um hybrid defenders that can play some nickel corner can play some safety you can bring him into the box to do some linebacker things like he's gonna blitz off the edge and be just a rocket like he's generally one of my guys because he's so enjoyable to watch on the field he lays it all out on the field 100 percent of the time and just flying to the ball um so he's one of the guys that like i'm gonna love watching and i'm gonna root for him no matter what team he's on all
0: right thanks guys appreciate it bear all right trust Trust thy plan. What's going on, man? Hey, can y'all hear me? Yes, we can. I appreciate you having me. Um, so I have a few things. What are y'all thoughts about Jordan Davis? Because in order for the Houston, Texas to compete in the AFC South, we got to stop that rushing attack of Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. And um, I've noticed that every time when we add another player in the box, right, we always get torched. So what do you think about making a move if we actually – um drafted saucer stingley at three and at 13 we go after jordan davis because if we were looking for a pass rusher we could have we can go after one of my favorite guys who has like i think the best get off in the draft which is boyd mafe from minnesota i think he has a wicked get off jordan any thoughts yeah i can take that
1: um i love the idea of getting jordan davis at 13 um he's a player that I've kind of changed my opinion on a, a good amount. Um but I think I'm settling on the fact that you know he's such a high floor player because of his elite run defense at his size at his power like it's it's actually insane. He's very very tough to move and I'm, I'm in agreement with you. We need to shore up the run defense specifically to play to towards our division with those elite backs that you mentioned. Um so I really like him in terms of being able to he's very dependable in terms of he can bring that skill set right away. And then he's also got the potential because of his athletic ceiling. Like he's he was a generation. He tested as a generational athlete for a defensive tackle. So that kind of gives him the tools, the athletic tools, to grow as a pass rusher. Like he's raw. Don't get me wrong. It's gonna take him a little bit, but I think he can get to the point where he's at least collapsing the pocket, and maybe he may never um, put up crazy sack numbers. But he's gonna help the edge rushers finish sacks because he's going to collapse the pocket and make it all muddy for the quarterback. So I'm with you on Jordan Davis on that. Um, and then you mentioned going corner and then Davis, and then in the second round going Maffe. I, I like Maffe a lot. I think he's one of those guys who, you know, his film might not pop off the screen for you, but he's one of those guys that his arrow is pointing up at an exponential rate. I mean, he really showed out the senior bowl. You're absolutely right. His off is insane. I think he's a similar type of player to Jacob Martin. Where he's just he can just run past tackles and, and doesn't have to do anything else at some times. Now, at going into the NFL, he's going to have to expand on that. Um, and I don't know if he's going to be too much of a great run defender ever because of his size and, and kind of skinny frame. But I think in the second round, maybe closer to the third round. Maybe like you want to trade down from the second round, I think mate would be a, a good option for sure.
0: All right. Got anything else? Oh, no, that'll be I appreciate you. All right, thanks for joining again, man. Thank you, man. All right, so we'll go. So we had H-Time Sports coming up next, and we'll go to Nick and Michael. Jordan, are you doing okay on time? Because I think we're going to run past 10 o'clock. Let's keep doing it, man. I'm down for as long as we need to. All right, well, I got to go to bed at some point, so I (laughs) can't (laughs) say I'm an old man. All right, let's see here, uh, because I got a few questions on DM as well. So... H time sports connecting. Take yourself off me. There you go. What's up, man? What's up,
5: y'all? How you doing? Good.
3: All right. I just had a couple questions, uh, kind of for both of y'all. So I get the trenches debate. I'm kind of with that too, but I also kind of like a like a Jameson Williams or something. But I understand not going that direction. So I was wanted to ask, where do you think Casario? would like target a receiver. Do you think he would target like the mid round or like the late round kind of guy?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because if you follow their actions, like if you follow their top thirty visits, they've met with a few of the first rounders. Like they've met with Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks. And so you'd think, okay, you, you gotta take those guys at, at 13, you know, they're not gonna really make it to thirty seven likely. Um but it's also smoke screen season. So, we can't always just completely trust what these teams are putting out there. Right. So, I think it's honestly more likely that the team addresses receiver on day two because there's a lot, a lot of talented, like second round receivers, third round receivers. I think I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven wide receivers graded with a second round grade. So, there's tons of value there, and guys are going to fall into that range, and it's perfect to pick them up there. Um, I also think that because we extended Brandon Cooks. I also think that because we just spent a third round pick and, and other value trading up for Nico Collins going into his second year, I think you want to give him a proper amount of touches and targets to you know ensure his development is going on the right path. So I don't think you want to spend a premium pick on a wide receiver as enticing as Jamison Williams and Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson are. Trust me, I love those guys, but I think it'll be more like day two.
0: I would agree. I I, I mean I try to. I try not to lean back too much on draft history with Nick out of New England because we all know Belichick had the last say, but New England and Bill O'Brien had the same opinion. They just didn't put a ton of value on wide receivers. So I just it would be interesting to see if that same mentality carries over with Nick. But like he has so far, he's completely surprised me <laughs> week over week. <laughs> So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm, I'm with Jordan. I think based on the current roster construction and needs, wide receivers definitely a, a day two kind of look.
3: So I, I saw the reports too that they were, I mean, if they're true, you never know, but that they were interested in like a Mechie or like a Dotson. What, are y'all think they're looking for like a slot guy with Cooks, or do you think they're looking for something else?
0: See, that's been something we've been talking about that on. on on here for past few weeks is what kind of slot wide receiver is pep going to want? And we saw, you know, they, they signed Philip Dorsett back. They, uh, they're going to take the flyer on Deshaun Hamilton out of Denver, but I I just don't really know. And I really don't have a feeling. And maybe Jordan probably has a little, little better insight into What kind of slot wide receiver pep wants? Does he want that shifty guy that can move underneath? Or is he looking for more of the vertical threat? And, you know, it just be. I don't know if I haven't really looked at at the the slot type of wide receivers in this draft. Is there any uh, any names out there, Jordan, that pique your interest? Yeah,
1: there's actually a ton. Um, starting with kind of the philosophical, like I guess, picture of of what type of wide receiver Pep would want. Um, from my perspective, I think he's going to want a guy who is pretty versatile. Um, number one, he's going to want a guy that can line up in the slot, but also on the outside, because like you mentioned before. We're going to run a lot of 12 personnel, so that means two tight ends, and it also means two wide receivers rather than three. And so if you're going to only have two wide receivers, a lot of the time you're not going to have a slot guy. Um, so you need this this potential slot wide receiver that we're talking about to be able to line up inside and outside. And then also I previously mentioned talking about Pep's scheme is he, he loves the quick game, in terms of the passing game, but he also loves the vertical deep shots. So again, you're going to kind of need a slot wide receiver who can do a bit of both. Who can get you yak on screens and slants, but can also take the top off when he gets one-on-one coverage. And so some guys I really like for that role, you mentioned it, John Mechie. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think they are going to target speed. And I think Mechie offers some sort of vertical threat, but also a lot of yak ability. Um, And I think with his season-ending injury, his stock is, is... You're going to be able to get him later than you would if he didn't have that injury. So maybe top of the third round, he could be available there. Um, Some other guys to mention, Kyle Phillips out of UCLA. He's kind of seen as the next Hunter Renfro, you know, really shifty routes and all that good stuff. Um, If you want a sleeper, I would say Trey Turner out of Virginia. He's a guy I have graded in the third round, and many quote-unquote experts or other big boards or whatever um, will have him day three. I think he's a great all-around wide receiver, kind of a versatile guy I just spoke to. Um, so he would be one name to circle.
0: All right. Got anything else, sir? Uh, No. Appreciate y'all's responses. I right. appreciate it, buddy.
3: Thank you, man. Take care.
0: All right. Nick, be up. And then uh, Mike. And then Austin. Nick's been patiently waiting since the beginning. <laughs> What's going on, Nick? Hey guys, what's going on? Jordan, love your stuff.
3: Um, I just wanted to ask you a couple quick questions. Uh, first, I noticed, I saw this, um, it was like maybe a couple weeks ago, you put out your top five interior offensive line rankings for the draft. And uh, my guy was not on your top five list. And I want to know, um, why do you hate Jamari Sawyer? No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> what are your opinions on Jamari Sawyer? Because he's he's one of my favorite, like, ground two guys. Um and then, as far as going running back in the fourth round and later, let's say they target fourth round and later, who are guys that you think would fit this gap power scheme um, in those later rounds?
1: Yeah, awesome questions, man. First of all, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the support. I appreciate it, Nick. Um, Jamari Saylor is a guy I love. I, I like him. Okay, maybe made me a lot of love. But I like him a lot. It's just that it's a pretty talented interior offensive line class. I like it a lot. Like, I just can't have him in my top five because he wouldn't be over guys like Tyler Linderbaum, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green at the Ingram, even Cam Jurgens, Sean Ryan, Tyler Smith. Like He's just one tier down below them. I think he's like a prime candidate for top of the third round. He'd be a, a very perfect pick for the Texans right there because, like you said, he's, he's a perfect fit for that gap power scheme. He's a mauler. He's a great run blocker. He can pull. He's played a little bit of tackle, but I do think he's best at guard. Um, and I think he can slot in at that right guard position. That's where he played in college. Um, and I think he could potentially be better than AJ can um, maybe halfway through his rookie season, by the end of rookie season, something like that. So don't get me wrong. I like him. I'm glad you like him as well. It's a good find. And then your second question was kind of, I guess, day three guys, right? You said fourth round, fifth round or later Yeah. for the gap power scheme. Yeah. So it's yeah, a very good backs. distinction to make. Oh, running backs. Okay, not interior linemen.
0: No, yeah. I think um, was, it was running backs, right? Yeah, running backs, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: All righty. Looking at my list here. Dude, definitely. So, day three, um, I would love if Damian Pierce out of Florida. Thank
0: you.
3: I was waiting for it. Thank <laughs> you. He's my dude. I've been I've been banging the table for him.
1: Yeah, I think he's got some, like, Javante Williams to him. I, I really like him. He's my running back three. Um, I don't know if he'll fall to the day three, but fingers crossed for that. Some guys who should be there that I would bet on being there is definitely Hassan Haskins out of Michigan. I think he's your perfect, like, no nonsense, just north south, get downhill. Literally just run down the hash line, like, and not, like, going left or right whatsoever. Like, he's just going to get downhill and get those tough yardage for you. Um, Other than that, maybe Zaquandre White out of South Carolina or Keontae Ingram out of USC. Those would be my, my guys to look out for
0: all right nick you got anything else buddy i'm good appreciate you guys all right take care all right go michael and then austin then we'll hit up a few of the dm questions michael what you got buddy michael you there All right. We'll get your request back in if uh, if you still want to chat. We'll go ahead and take you off. Austin, Austin, what's going on, my man? Go ahead and take yourself off mute. Oh, there we go. Hey, what's up, everybody?
5: Hey, what's hey. going cool. on, guys? Uh, I don't have anything, anything uh, specific. You guys uh, pretty much pointed out. Um, some of the things I was going to bring up, but um no, just wondering what you guys thought on some late round tight ends we could target. I'm sure Jordan uh, knows uh, Pep's desired scheme, what he's looking for out of the tight end group. And uh feel like the general consensus is that nobody wants to see Vero, Vero Brown on, on the, <clears throat> on the field this year. So wondering what you guys uh, th- yeah, think about um a tight end too, whether it's a, uh, you know, high end or low end and potential sleepers.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, we kind of dive into that a little bit. You know, Jordan was big on uh, Jelani Woods. I was big on Ruckert. Are there any other names behind those two guys, Jordan, that, that might fit the bill for this team?
1: Yeah, it's a very deep tight end class, actually. Um, so I really hope we do take advantage of that. Um, day 3 is a good time for it. I think Daniel Bellinger out of, I believe it's San Diego State, yep, yep. he tested insanely insanely well in terms of everything across the board his relative athletic score was absurd um i don't think he's that he doesn't play that well as an athlete but what he does is bring a dominant and physical force as a run blocker like he is really really he will do the dirty work for you he's your inline guy 100 um long arms physical strong he's got pretty solid technique he can do zone blocks he can do gap powered blocks um, he can be an H back if you want as well. He can block out in the slot on DBs. Like he does it all as a blocker. So he would be the guy I would definitely
5: look at. Cool. Thanks, Jordan. And then one more, uh, we're too small, uh, little short questions. Um, number one, uh, you know, how, I don't know how to phrase this, but you know, how, how like, you know, how often do you think Jordan, um, not Jordan, sorry. How often do you think Revan Jordan can um, mm. be on the field at his size in this scheme? Um, he is our tight end one. I mean, so I just don't know what you think on um, his potential, you know, snap counts per game, or if he's going to be used more than that, uh, you know, maybe 50 to 60% snaps, you know, kind of hybrid rule, or if you think he can develop into uh, something more. And then my second question was going to be, um if you could double dip at any position in the fourth and sixth rounds or third and fifth something like that What positions would you you guys pick?
0: So I'll just jump on the brevin jordan part. I think he is going to be a big part of big part of this offense it, you know He was inactive for the first seven games of the season last year and then Really came on strong in the back half of the season He only ended up with about 18 percent of the offensive snaps But that was a function of of missing the first half of the season so I think the team was happy with what they saw. I think he really grew into that role and I think the the rapport that he had with Mills, I mean we saw it all the way back to, to camp that he had he had a pretty good rapport with Mills and I think that's gonna continue on and I think he's definitely gonna be on that field quite a bit this year unless unless something just drastically happens. But in my opinion I I think you're gonna see a lot of Brevin Jordan this year.
1: Yeah, I would definitely echo that point. I think, you know, we talk a lot about the two tight end sets that Pep Hamilton has historically loved to use, and it seems like they're going to use again this year. Um, And so Brevin will take that receiving role in that two tight end sets. But at the end of the day, I would imagine that we do end up playing from behind a good amount in these games, which means a lot more passing downs and passing opportunities. And so Brevin's going to be the guy there, 100%, so no matter which rookie you kind of bring in, in mm. my opinion. So I would, I would, I'm with, I'm with that. I think he would play a good percentage of the snaps, definitely over 50%. Um, and then your second question was if I could double down on any position kind of early, or sorry, late day two, early day yeah. three. Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, I'm, Picking between interior O-line, just because there's such a big need there and there's pretty decent value there, or maybe wide receiver. I think I'll, I think I'll go interior offensive of line I think there's a lot of guys in that group, whether you want to go after a Jamari Saylor, maybe it's a guy like Chris Paul, Justin Schaefer out of Georgia, Ben Brown out of Ole Miss. Um, there's a lot of options there, so I'd go interior O-line.
0: Right. Austin, you got cool. anything else?
5: No, that's it, guys. I appreciate you all. Have a great night.
0: Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Alright, so we'll jump over to some of the DM questions to close this out. So, some of the, you know, folks will send messages whether, you know, they'd rather not speak or they can't listen to it live. So, Pete Charlene had sent me a message. So, which of the first two picks would you be, see more likely to get traded out of? And to me, I think 13. Just, I don't think teams are going to be clamoring to move up this year with the way this draft class is settling and i don't think there's gonna you know i don't think there's gonna be any big name quarterbacks sitting right you know nobody wants to jump up to three for a quarterback at this point so to me i think 13 is definitely going to be the sweet spot i mentioned earlier i think that'll be the 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 ripe number to move back i think 37 might be another spot that nick tries to move back again as well you got any thoughts on that jordan
1: yeah, no, I'm pretty much in the in agreement with you. I think to put kind of maybe players or positions into that that trade down spot, like who who would guys want to trade up for? Um, I think offensive tackle is is something that teams will look after trying to jump. Maybe the the Saints at sixteen or the Chargers at seventeen, try and get up to thirteen and, and get the tackle before uh, those two teams do. Like once Evan Neal goes off the board, once E.K. McQuone goes off the board, then it's really Charles Cross that's left, and that in terms of that tier of elite tackles. So teams might want to trade up for that. Um, and then, yeah, 37 is probably another prime opportunity. If you can just move down maybe 10, 15 slots, pick up another early day three pick, that would be pretty wise. of Nick.
0: Yep. I'm with you on that. Let's see here. Uh, Bezel had a question about day three quarterbacks. So we've seen the team bringing in a few, a few quarterbacks for their for their visits, but they've all been guys that would very likely be day 3, late day 3. You know, the team already has a number of quarterbacks under under contract for this year, but I don't think it precludes them for from drafting a guy or or taking a taking a quarterback in the undrafted group as well, cuz you really need four arms for forearms for the uh for training camp. And then you you take that that leftover guy and you put him on the practice squad. So are there any uh, quarterbacks that kind of have your eye on late day three? He had mentioned specifically Carson Strong for maybe the fourth round, but I think that may be a little bit early of what the team might be looking for.
1: Yeah. I don't think they're going to spend another third round pick on a quarterback. I think Davis Mills has shown us a good amount of improvement that, you know, don't think they would take another guy that um, early. But in terms of those specific names, I'll give you guys two. Uh, first is Skylar Thompson out of Kansas State. He reminds me a good amount of. He could be like the Dak Prescott in this year. Um, good arm, not amazing arm, but pretty solid. Very good in the pocket in terms of managing it, being poised, not letting pressure get to him too much. Uh, I think he's got. He's shown a lot of like good mental traits in terms of like anticipation. Um, and stuff like that so I think he's one guy to watch and then Derek King I know a lot of teams so Derek King out of Miami and I know a lot of teams are kind of seeing him maybe potentially as a wide receiver but man this guy whenever he was playing quarterback and and it wasn't often because he was getting injured a lot unfortunately but whenever he was actually available on the field like he was really really talented he made some wow throws every game that I watched of him and he's kind of like the quarterback version of Will Fuller so I think you know late day 3 if you want to take a chance on a boomer bust guy like that DR King would be your move.
0: Yeah, I think that would be a that would be a fun pick. Just just almost kind of a gadget type player, kind of move him around all over the place and a little fun little you know just make the playbook a little fun with him as well. And that would, you know, and then you like I said you you look at the practice squad and, and continue the development if that's a player that really fits what you're looking for. So hopefully that answers uh bezel's question did get a question on on Troy Anderson on what see he's a linebacker out of Montana state you have any thoughts on him
1: yeah I like Troy Anderson a good amount where is he on my thing I think he's my linebacker six um he's one of the great options in terms of a developmental guy because I think the Texans, how the roster is currently constructed, like you you brought back your starters and Christian Kirksey and Camu Gridger Hill as your primary two linebackers, right? So what you can get instead of spending maybe a premium pick on a linebacker like Nicobe Dean or Devin Lloyd, you might want to go get a developmental guy. And there's not many guys who have a higher upside as a developmental guy than Troy Anderson. I mean, he absolutely killed the combine, ran a four-four-two forty at 243 pounds, which is insane. He jumped 36 inches in the vertical. Um, and the interesting part about him is that he was a former running back and a former quarterback uh for Montana States. And he's really only played two years at linebacker. So there's a lot of reason to believe in his upside, um, and getting a lot better in the NFL world with NFL coaching and, and learning from vets like Kirksey and Grucha Hill. So I think he could step into potentially that Mike linebacker role um in year two after Kirksey's contract is uh maybe they want to move on from him.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that was most, that was pretty much all the questions I had on DM. We were at uh, an hour and 17 minutes, something like, an hour and 15 minutes. So I think this will probably be enough to close out for night. It had upwards of 167 listeners at various points. So I appreciate everybody taking the time to come listen to Jordan and I talk tonight. Jordan, I appreciate your time, sir. I appreciate the insight. Tell, uh, kind of remind everybody where we can find your work.
1: Yeah, thank you once again, Troy, for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Always fun to talk ball. You guys can find me at Texans underscore Thoughts, um, YouTube, same thing, Texans Thoughts, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, thank you, man.
0: And the draft guide, where is it at?
1: It's on uh, TexansUnfiltered yeah, and so. it'll be the pin tweet for my on my profile.
0: Yeah, they definitely definitely worth getting that file load it up on your computer for draft night so you can start looking at the players that whenever Texans make their draft, see what Jordan wrote up on them. And with that, we'll uh, we'll call it a night. I appreciate everybody's time. Like I said, appreciate everybody listening in. We'll be back next week as well. And with that, we will shut it down. Everybody have a good night. Thank you.